0: Good to see you guys. We uh, uh, got a lot of things coming up. One of the things that I wanted to mention that's coming up is a plunge. Uh, if uh, you have never been baptized, but uh, you know the Lord uh, and you uh, need to do that, then we would love we would love to have you uh, be a part of that. That is uh, uh, kind of our old-fashioned creek baptism, baptism. Now, to be clear, we can baptize people anytime here. Uh, And, uh, you know, if you haven't seen that happen, then, uh, you know, let us know if if that's something you ever want to do. But uh, uh, we do once a year a a baptism. We go down to Cheatham Dam and uh, visit with all the folks that are hanging out down at the dam and uh, have a cookout and uh, have a baptism. And uh, sometimes there's wildlife involved. I mean, you just never know, you know, what's What's going to happen at the dam? Sometimes it's not the wildlife. It's well, sometimes it's wild and has life, but it's not you know animals in the woods. But anyway, uh, you know that's coming up. So you can get signed up for that. We're going we've got baptism classes, actually both for kids. We have a kids class and uh, an adult and students class. So uh, if you are uh, going to be baptized at Plunge, make sure you're signed up for the classes uh, and signed up for Plunge. So we'd love to love to do that. So. Anyway, uh, let's go ahead and jump into uh, to our study on Peter. If you've got your Bible and you want to get it out, we're going to the Book of Matthew today. If you don't have a Bible, we have ushers uh, that have Bibles and uh, they'll be glad to bring you one, or at least we have an usher today and uh, I'll be glad to uh, get you one. Just throw your hand up and uh, make Marty walk all over the room. Let's we'll see how far we can make him walk this morning. Get his steps in real good. So uh, he's one of my metalhead brothers right there. So. But uh yeah, uh if you don't own one, we'd love for you to have one, you can keep it and consider it yours. Uh but Matthew chapter twenty-six is where we're going today. And uh I've been I've been kind of skirting around coming to this passage and uh been praying and thinking a lot about how I was gonna teach the passage and uh, and and even break down the passage because the passage is connected to other passages and so on and so forth, and uh, it 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 leads into some of my favorite scripture. Uh, of all time, if I get the if I get the pleasure of getting to have favorite scripture and and um, and I've talked from some of it uh, you know a lot of it uh, many times and so anytime I've talked from something many times I'm I'm very careful like I'm I don't know, i do not know I'm weird about this I, I, and I'm the same way I can't reteach somebody else's things. sometimes I'll share their stuff and I always try to give them. Credit or whatever, but uh, you know, uh, I, I'm weird with like you know I don't want to like teach the same thing twice or whatever. But I mean, sometimes it is what it is, and and probably sometimes it is the same thing twice, and I don't even know it, uh, and that's okay too. But uh, uh, this passage this morning that we're getting into um, is uh, is this reminder of uh, you know letting people down, uh, you know, or letting ourselves down even. I, I don't know if if you're like me, you ever kind of find yourself like gung ho. Uh, about you know i'm gonna I'm gonna do this and i'm gonna do that and i'm gonna be faithful to this. I mean we could probably all come up with our list that probably starts with diets and you know everything else that uh, you know we come up with it like New year's resolution type stuff that we're gonna be better about or we're gonna you know get on that that thing or uh, whatever and then uh, you know we'll be all gung ho about it, but then we fail miserably um, and and the worst for me is is when I do that uh and it's letting someone else down. I I just so struggle with, you know, not want to let other people down and and uh but the truth is, is we let people down. Uh, we all do and we know it, you know, and so, you know, and, and some of you could probably stand up and tell the ten times I've let you down. That's that'd be great. It'd be a great time of testimony for the church. Uh but uh it'd be very uplifting for me too, I'm sure. Uh but uh it I mean it's happened, you know, let's face it. And so uh, you know, we, we do that, uh, whether we mean to or not, and this passage leads us to uh, one of these moments in Peter's life where, uh, you know, he's gung-ho, and, he's, and he, he thinks he's ready to go. Uh, and in fact, this first passage that we're uh, going to look at is just before the Garden of Gethsemane. So again, we're kind of bouncing back and forth timeline-wise a little bit here, but I want you to Understand where we are in the timeline. This is before uh, Jesus and then Peter James and John go up on the guard, uh, uh, to the garden of Gethsemane where we see all these crazy things happen And he's you know, Jesus is praying and they can't stay awake and you know all this kind of stuff and uh, You know right after that of course is when they come to take Jesus and That's when Peter of course, you know cuts the guys ear and all that kind of stuff So this is a hot and fiery Peter, okay? And, and this is probably what gets him like hot and fiery before the guy ever shows up when Peter pulls the sword out on him, okay? But Matthew 26, let's go ahead and read this. Matthew 26, verse 30, and it says this. It says, and when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus said to them, you will all fall away because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter answered him, Though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. Jesus said to him, Truly I tell you, this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, Even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And all the disciples said the same. So here is this moment here where Jesus is telling the disciples, you know, time's coming, you know, this is going on, um, you know, we're, we've gotten together, we're singing a hymn. First of all, let's look at that at verse 30, and when they had sung a hymn, then they went out to the Mount of Olives. So, I, I, you know, just thinking about getting to hang out with Jesus is, is cool, and then thinking about getting to worship the Lord with Jesus is really cool. You know, and I got to thinking about that. I got to thinking, you know, I've not really spent any time ever thinking about that particular verse and what it's saying there that, you know, that they all sing a hymn together before all this craziness starts to go down. And so Jesus, I'm assuming, probably leads out. I don't know if he's, you know, a great worship leader. Maybe he's one of the guys that stands and does, you know, kind of this thing. Well, I have no idea. Uh, you know, I mean, he is Jesus, so he's got to be good at whatever he does, right? And so... Um, but either way, we see, G- we see Jesus and the disciples sing a hymn together, and I'm just thinking just how remarkable that must be. And then I was reminded, oh, yeah, we'll get to do that one day. We'll get to sing hymns with Jesus one day when we're with the Lord. And what a great, unbelievable thing that is. And I think for us, I think... We spend so much time thinking and focused on about what's happening right here and now that we forget what eternity is going to be like. And the importance that we put on the here and now overshadows the what's to come. And the truth is, if you're like me, I, I need some reminders of the what's to come, you know? Because sometimes here and now it's tough, Right passage goes on in verse 31 and it says, then Jesus said to them, you will all fall away because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. So here Jesus is predicting that the disciples will fall away. In fact, he's not just speaking to Peter. He's saying, you will all fall away because of me this night. Then, on top of that, he says, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. So here, he actually is quoting Zechariah 13, 7, which says exactly this. And he's saying, guys, I'm just telling you, this is going to happen. Get ready for it, okay? Now, the response is not a response of like, okay, Jesus, if you say it's going to happen, you know we're going to roll with it i mean it's still like the responses of the guys you know and especially peter and here and this I mean this is us you know how many times you know you got to get hit in the head before you learn you know the new trick you know peter responds the way peter responds and it says in verse 32 and he says it says but after I'm raised up I will go before you to Galilee and peter answered him though they all fall away because of you I will never fall away. So Peter's saying to Jesus, you know, I know what you're saying, Jesus, and I hear, I hear you, know, uh, you know, I know you're the Lord, and I know all. The, you always say everything, and it's always right, but I'm going to disagree with you right now, Jesus, because I love you, and I got your back because I'm your homie, right? And, uh, and Jesus is, you know, of course, he's, you know, he's listening. He listens. Peter gets out what he's going to say. And then he goes on in verse 34. It says, Jesus said to him, truly I tell you this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. You will deny me three times. Peter is so sure, so sure that he is not going to deny Jesus. So sure. And then Jesus turns around and says to Peter, after Peter says, you know, I know, I know you think everybody's going to leave you. I'm not going to leave you, though. I'm still going to be here because I'm your boy. And then Jesus is like, actually, Peter, I've got a little something special for you. <sighs> this, is, these, this has to be one of these moments where I'm thinking, Peter probably wants to bury his head in the sand at this point, maybe. I don't know. But it goes on. It says, verse 34, it says, Jesus said to him, truly, I tell you, this very night... Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. You will deny me three times. This is a heavy hit. This is a heavy hit. I mean, you know, I I think about, you know, know, Jesus has already dealt with Judas. You know, we've already had that go down, so we've got one betrayal. And then knowing from the get-go, when he gets into the whole thing, From the very beginning, Jesus knows the prophecy of what's going to happen, and he knows because he's Jesus, he knows that they're all going to leave him. He knows that that Zechariah 13 7 passage is going to come true. He knows that I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered, is going to come true. He knows it. It's not even a question. And then he tells Peter, Peter, buddy, old pal, you're going to deny me three times before the morning. Not not over the next several weeks. You're going to do this tonight. Tonight, before the rooster crows. And then Peter's response, Peter said to him, Even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And all the disciples said the same. Read that again. Even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And all the disciples said the same. So now, now because of this conversation, Peter's gotten the whole group of disciples all pumped up. I mean, this was like the pep rally that they all needed to like we're going to die with you tonight jesus we're going to ride let's go right and jesus knows that that's not true and i just think about you know any number of times over the course of life when you know somebody that i've cared so much about's turned their back on me we've all been in those moments and in those situations they stink we hate those moments. We hate those situations. They're so hurtful, right? They're so hurtful. And then we turn around and we do, we, we create those situations sometimes in the lives of others, people we care about, and then wonder why in the world do we do that, right? Peter so desperately wanted Jesus to believe him, and I believe Jesus, I believe Peter in his heart really believed, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to roll with you to the end, and if they have to kill me, they'll kill me too. But the truth is, is that until you're in that moment, you don't really know how you're going to react. And it begs the question, it begs the, you know, the thought process of, you know, what, it, what does it look like for us? You know, what's it look like for believers? You know, we, we've, we've often had those conversations of, you know, what will happen one day if one day, uh, you know, there's, you know, total craziness and we can no longer teach the gospel and will we still teach the gospel, will we still claim Jesus, Uh, if somebody's got a gun to our head kind of thing or, you know, whatever, and you can play out all those scenarios all you want. And at the end of the day, you don't know what you're going to do until you're there. We'd like to think we know what we would do. But suddenly, you know, in a moment, things change. I'm skipping verse 32, and we're going to come back to it. Matthew 26, 69, we're going to skip forward a little bit here. And by the time that we skip to this section of scripture, we have now covered being in the garden, Peter cutting the guy's ear off, Jesus being arrested, all these things, but it's still the same night, okay? Lots happening in this night. We've got a lot of detail about this night because this is the night in which they took Jesus, right? And so then we have Matthew 26, 69, and it says, again, in the same night, it says, now Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard, and a servant girl came up to him and said, you also were with Jesus the Galilean. But he denied it before them them all, saying, I do not know what you mean. So right here in this passage, very first ask of, hey, aren't you one of Jesus' guys? This servant girl comes up to him and says, you also were with Jesus the Galilean. And then in verse 70, we see Peter respond. He says, but he denied it before them all, saying, I do not know what you mean. And so we actually see he's not just denying it to this girl, he's denying it to several people is kind of what we can, it says you all, uh, before them all, I I put the southern on it right there, right, Um, the you all, uh, but yeah, it says, but he denied it before them all, saying, I do not know what you mean. So already, we've got the first denial, right? Well, then the passage goes on in verse 71, and it says, and when he went out to the entrance, another servant girl saw him. And she said to the bystanders, this man was with Jesus of Nazareth. And again, he denied it with an oath. I do not know the man. So here we have Jesus, uh, sorry, we have Peter again being asked the question, you know, hey, this man was with Jesus of Nazareth in verse 71. And then in 72... And he denied it with an oath. I do not know the man. When it's talking about an oath, it's he's saying it's saying that he's adding something to it. And Jesus actually teaches against this. Uh, so it's interesting because uh, G- <laughs> technically Peter is technically in sin with how he's trying to explain himself in a way that Jesus said, "Do not take oaths." Now, why did Jesus say that? Basically, Jesus was saying you don't need to be saying stuff like. I promise to God what I'm saying is true. That's basically what Peter's doing here. We don't know exactly what his words were or what he was saying, but we know that he was taking an oath. And the oath was him trying to prove that his words were true, right? Well, Jesus said, don't do that. And the reason Jesus said, don't do that is he's like, your words should just be true and people should know you for your truth, right? So... Peter, taking an oath with his statement, says, I do not know the man. I do not know the man. Peter, our guy, our boy, right? Fisherman. Standing strong, cutting people's ear off, because he's got bad aim, right? This is our this is our guy, our ride or die. You know, and already random people are just like, hey, you wanna, you're one of his guys, right? I do not know the man, he says, with an oath to go with it. Then in verse 73, it keeps going. It says, after a little while, the bystanders came up and said to Peter, certainly you too are one of them for your accent betrays you. I get that when I travel sometimes, right? Like you're you're one of them, aren't you? Where are you from? Tennessee. Yeah, I thought so. So Jesus the the boys, most of the boys that were rolling with Jesus were Galilean and and uh, you know, they that was not a it was not a popular race to be a part of and popular people group, I should say. And, and you know, so, you know, for Peter, uh, you know, to be identified with that, people, people knew that the guys that were with Jesus, you know, were from this area uh, and that they had such an accent that it was noticeable. So that's, that's what we're getting this little bit of, you know, your accent betrays you. Certainly you are one of them, they say. And then in verse 74, then Peter began to invoke a curse on himself and swear. So now it's like the oath isn't enough. We're going to do another oath, and we're going to just like, you know, I mean, just throw it all out there. I promise to God, and, you know, you can, you know, burn me at the stake if what I'm saying is not true, yada, yada, yada. I mean, again, I'm just making this part up because we don't, we don't know exactly what he's saying, but basically he's going overboard to then say, I do not know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed. Immediately the rooster crowed. And Peter remembered the saying of Jesus, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. This passage, um, you know, I've, as we've been teaching through this, I've been sharing, of course, the different takes from the different Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, from the different takes of Jesus' life written by different people. And um, one of the things that we have is we have yet another passage of Scripture here Um out of Luke. If you go to Luke's uh, testimony of this same account, we have something that is, in fact, Luke is the only one that says this, but we have something that's a little different than the others in Luke 22. And in Luke 22, in verse 60, it says this It says, But Peter said, Man, I do not know what you are talking about. And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. Okay, so all that sounds pretty much the same, right? But then in verse 61, and the Lord turned and looked at Peter, and Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he had said to him before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. It's a small difference. It's a small difference but it's the difference of when you were talking bad about that friend and they weren't there. And then you were talking bad about that friend and then it turns out they were right behind you the whole time and you didn't know it. Jesus turned and looked at Peter. Doesn't say what kind of look he gave. I, I'm, I'm going to guess maybe there's some pain involved. You know, it's Jesus, so it wouldn't surprise me a lick if he's trying to, like, look at him, like, with a lovingly look. Like, bro, I I love you. This is going to be okay. We're going to make it through this kind of a look. I don't know what that really looks like, but I'm imagining, you know, what that must have been like. But he looked at him. Can you imagine? I mean, like, I long to see the Lord look at me I long for it I can't wait for the day that I get to see Jesus and I know Peter had seen Jesus a ton over those last several years but in that moment when Jesus looked at him because the prophecy came true he denied him three times and the rooster crowed and then it goes on as it says there at the end of verse 75, I'll just read verse 75 again. It says, And Peter remembered the saying of Jesus before the rooster crows, You will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. He went out and wept bitterly. Mark 14, 72, we don't have this on the screen, but... Take my word for it, you can check it out for yourself. Mark 1472 says, and he broke down and wept. He broke down and wept. He wept bitterly. Peter is grieving his sin. He's grieving his sin. He hates himself in this moment, I'm gonna guess. He is broken because he, he loves Jesus. We know he loves Jesus. He's shown us how much he loves Jesus. But yet in this moment when it came between him saving his life possibly and testifying that Jesus was his friend, he chose his life. He's grieving his sin. You ever grieved your sin? You ever done something that immediately after doing it you were like, "Oh my gosh, I can't believe I did that." I did that recently, I, and I, I mean it—it it literally ruined my day. Ruined my day. I couldn't. I couldn't. I couldn't. I couldn't stand myself that day. I really couldn't. I, you know, and I had apologized to someone over it. And then I found myself apologizing again to them later that day. They were like, hey, it's okay. It's not a big deal. And I was like, oh, it's a big deal. It stinks. I hate that it happened. Regret leaves behind pain, doesn't it? Regret leaves behind pain. And hurt leaves behind hurt. We hurt, we have pain, and if we let it, it cripples us. If we let it, I mean, we, we, we can just, you know, we can go downward spiral on something like that, I mean, just in a heartbeat. And it makes us feel like a failure. And sometimes that's true, that we failed at something, uh, but you know, it doesn't mean that we are a failure, you know. And the truth is, is that failure is important to our lives. Just all these leadership principles that I've heard over the years, and I'm sure there's better ones even than the ones I've got for us today, but I want to share a couple with you today that just kind of are these reminders that failure has a place in our life. Jeff Bezos uh, says, uh, failure and innovation... Are inseparable twins. Bill Gates says, it's fine to celebrate success, but it's more important to heed the lessons of failure. Dennis Waitley says, mistakes are painful when they happen, but years later a collection of mistakes is what is called experience. And then the great Wayne Gretzky said, you miss a hundred percent of the shots you never take. The problem with failure is that when we fail at something, we want to take it on as our identity. And it is not our identity. I can't tell you how much of the counseling that I do when it's a situation of like, you know people struggling with maybe bad choices in life that kind of thing or whatever and they're coming to me and they're like Chris I you know I'm just a mess and they'll say things like you know I'm just I'm just not even you know I'm not even worthy of you know your time or god's time or you know they'll make these you know bold you know sweeping statements of you know just kind of self doubt and just self worth like just being at zero right and, and, you know, almost always, I end up always going to these statements and reminding them of the gospel and the understanding that our failures aren't what define us. Our identity is in Jesus. And he hung all that on the cross for us to be free from it, not for us to go, Well, just go ahead and make me a sash and let's put all the failures right here so everybody can read them, right? Jesus died that we might be free from our sin. Not that it would become our name. Not that it would become our nickname. He loves us. He cares for us. He wants our identity to be in him. Our identity when God the Father will see us in eternity Will be that he sees Jesus. Scripture says that he's put his righteousness on us like a coat, you know? And that when he sees us, he won't see the failures. He'll see the grace, he'll see the perfection of Christ, he'll see the blood from the cross, that we are forgiven. 2 Corinthians 12 says this, verse 9. says, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. The only person winning the strongman competition in the kingdom of God is Jesus. Okay? We're, we're not winning anything. I'm definitely last place. Okay? Like, for us to understand that passage and understand that his grace is sufficient, his power is made perfect in weakness, I got weakness. I'm I'm like a Petri dish of like, you know, come try me out, Jesus, you know? Let's see what you can do with this. But I'm afraid for so many believers we get to a place where we think, well, I'm not worthy. I'm, I'm, I, I, you know, I can't do it. I don't have the talent. I don't have the knowledge of the Bible. I don't have you know, what it takes to stand up. I'm introverted. I'm extroverted. I'm whatever. And at the end of the day, God's just like, no, it's not about you. It's about me. It's about my son who came and died on a cross and gave his life That if we believe in Him, we shall be saved. But it means surrendering our stuff here and now and letting Him do that work in our lives. It means allowing Him to come in to receive the grace that is sufficient for us. Last Sunday, I I had the pleasure, an absolute pleasure, to get to pray with a couple of people who came to know the Lord together a husband and a wife. I mean, just, I, I was over the moon the rest of the day, right? And, and I just think, you know, how many people out there thinking about taking that step, not, not claiming Jesus to be their own because of somebody else's faith that they're related to or how much church attendance they've had over the years, but because they truly, in their heart, believe that Jesus is Lord that he is the Son of God, that he did come down on the cross, that he did rise again three days later. Man, if Peter only knew what we knew. And, of course, that wasn't going to happen because this was all set. This was the plan. Jesus knew it was going to happen, and Jesus was okay with it. Jesus was so okay with it that we have that verse that I skipped There, verse 32 in Matthew 26. Where did it say? In the middle of all that going on, Jesus said, It said, But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. What? Okay. No big deal, right? No big deal. Big deal. Right here. This is a big deal. Because this is right after verse 31. You remember verse 31, right? Well, let's read that one again. And then Jesus said to them, "'You will all fall away because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered.'" So he predicts that all the disciples are going to run the other way, right, in this moment when Jesus is going to start to be beaten and then his life be taken, right, and he's you know and he's literally quoting again Zechariah thirteen seven and then right after that he says but after I am raised up and I'm sure they're not catching this but he's like but after I am raised up I'll go before you to Galilee you know what Jesus is saying right there he's saying look I know that you guys are going to turn your backs on me I know it's true. The prophecy is true and I've been hanging out with you for 3 years I know what you're going to do, right? He says, "I know you're going to turn your back on me, but I'll be waiting for you in Galilee. I'm not going anywhere. I'll be there for you when you get there." Folks, that's that's our savior. That's the Jesus that died on the cross for us, that he's going before us and he'll be there. And he's not going to leave us and he's not going to forsake us and he will always be there. And I don't know about you, but I need to hear that. I need to be reminded of that. And I think to myself, poor Peter, you know? To have to go through all this, I can't imagine like the emotional anguish of the entire thing. Then to boot, for the rest of his life, he gets to hear roosters crow, right? More than you and I hear roosters crow. I mean, I've got roosters around me, okay? I got a neighbor with some chickens. My dad's got chickens. I hear roosters crow every once in a while. At that day and time, everybody had some roosters and some chickens, okay? Or a rooster and some chickens. You know, roosters crowing very normal in this setting. And for the rest of his life, I mean, literally, if you think about it, for the rest of his life, he would be reminded of this moment on this day by hearing every day multiple roosters crowing. Titus 2 verse 11 says this. It says for the grace of god has appeared bringing salvation for all people training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled upright and godly lives in this present age waiting for our blessed hope in appearing of the glory of our great god and savior jesus christ who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Peter was zealous for good works. I have days of my life that I am zealous for good works, and then it just seems to go down the drain, doesn't it? But today I'm reminded, and this passage is the reminder, it's not about... Check boxes. It's not about trying to get it all right. It's about our love for Christ leading us to obedience. We don't serve a God who beats us over the head and says, you got to do this right. We serve a God who loves us so much that he gave his son for us, and from that love, if we're connecting with him, our heart's response is to want to follow Him, want to live an obedient life, want to find ourselves in repentance, even after we fail. Peter failed. Peter, you could say, was a coward, right? For a moment anyway. But he was a broken coward. Because just as soon... As it all came true, he was broken over his sin, and it led him to repentance. How about you? How about you? Do you feel the Lord leading you to repentance today? Maybe you need to just, here in just a second, just lay something at the feet of Jesus. Maybe you've been carrying it around. Maybe it's something that's been weighing you down keeping you from being the person that God's called you to be because you've been hanging your hat on your failures instead of your wins. Folks, Jesus is the win, and he wants us to hang our hat on him because he's got a plan for us. And God wants to forgive you and for you to move on and for you to bring him glory and lead other people to him father sent jesus to do the work all we have to do is believe and repent how about today in the weeks ahead we'll see peter didn't let the past define his future and you shouldn't either let's pray god thank you for a chance to just come and worship you be reminded of your truth of the gospel. Lord, use it to heal us, to heal us of our sin, to heal us of our hurt, our failures. God, may we recognize today that your grace is sufficient for all of the things. Lord, we need that reminder today. We ask, Lord, that you would move in our hearts and in our lives and help us to trust in you. God, I pray right now for anyone that has never believed in you before this day that God, today you might move in their heart and help them to believe. Help them to know who you are, to trust in you with everything they've got, to surrender, to lay it down in front of you. God, I pray that you would save them today. God, I pray that they would come talk with one of us out in the foyer in a moment. God, thank you for your saving grace. Thank you for Jesus. God, help us as your people To follow you in response to your love with obedience because you love us and because we care for you. God, change us. Make us new. Make us yours. We ask all this in your son's name.